All right, morning again. Uh, we're in the fifth week of our presence series. Now, last week we looked at God's amazing presence, that, uh, us experiencing the love of God. Um, this week we're talking about hosting the presence of God, and I'm basing this in my study of 2 Corinthians chapters 1 to 5. Obviously not all of that, don't get too worried. We're just picking up a couple of images in that passage that Paul uses to describe this dynamic of us hosting the presence of God. First of them is this image of light. And read this in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, where Paul writes, For God, who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that's seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We've said this recently, if you have been listening to um, some of our sermons here. This is mind-blowing that the God who at the beginning of creation said, light, and there was light, made this light shine in our hearts. That light that brought light to the whole world at the start of creation, now God has moved into your heart and mine and gone, let there be light. So we could know the glory of God. Um, it sounds beautiful, so we could know the glory of God. What does that mean? Uh, if you're sitting with someone, either here or at home, just you could ask them, do you know the glory of God? Like, how do we know the glory of God? What is that? <laughs> uh, the glory of God, he says, that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, um, to, under to understand what he's trying to do here, you'd have to, have to read the chapter before where he's talking about Moses. Um, and when Moses, when Israel was wandering through the wilderness, and Moses would go and, and meet with God, and he would come out, and his face would shine. So he had to put a veil over it so that people wouldn't freak out too much and so that people could be around him. So his face would shine because he'd been in the presence of God. Because, and his face reflected the glory of God because um, he'd been in the presence of God, but it would fade over time. Paul writes in the previous chapter, and he's saying, um, this glory that is in our hearts, this light, this glory of God that's in our hearts so we could know the glory of God, it isn't the face of Moses, it's seen in the face of Jesus Christ. It's glory undimmed. It's glory that doesn't fade. It's not transferred from somebody else. It's in us. The glory of God seen in Jesus Christ. You see this progression of light, God in creation. The world is formless and void and, and dark. And the Spirit of God's hovering over the waters, and then God just says, Light. And there was light. And then and then this picture of God being present in the tabernacle and Moses going in to see God, or up on the mountain, and Moses going to see God and meet with God, and he'd come away and you'd see light. But now Jesus comes. Jesus is fully human. He's fully God. He's got whole and complete humanity. He's got perfected love. I mean, here's the thing. If we want to know God, we look at Jesus in the face of Jesus Christ. We look at him, his character, his behavior, his attitudes, his desires. This is God, the glory of God. Jesus is fully human. He surrendered all of his divine privileges and his power um, relied entirely on the Holy Spirit for his connection with God, but he was sinless. And he, all of his desires were perfect. Selfless love that is God. Glory undimmed. 
So it goes, God in creation, let there be light. God in the tabernacle, light. God in you and in me. That is the glory seen in the face of Jesus Christ. That is glory undimmed. That is light from Jesus. That is the glory of God that's seen in the face of Christ. It is, it is Jesus undimmed in us. And we can know it. You can know it. Because we host this light in our hearts. Not that we're worthy vessels. You see this in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 4. We, we now have this light shining in our hearts. Um, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. Uh, if you're like me, you go, that's me. I'm the fragile clay jar. Um, most of us don't struggle to understand that we're fragile clay jars. Um, what we struggle to understand is the magnitude of this great treasure. Uh, this makes it clear, Paul says, this makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Because who's worthy to host the presence of God? None of us. We are fragile clay jars. And the brighter the light shines, the more obvious to us is our fragility. Let me say that again. The brighter the light shines, the more obvious to us is our fragility. The more we know God, the more fragile we realize we are. Um, the greater our understanding of God, the greater our understanding of the gap between us and him. They're related, our fragility and the brightness of the presence of God in us. Um, I'll tell you what I mean. What happens when we cease to acknowledge our fragility, when we start to feel good enough, when we in our hearts see ourselves as better than others? We might say things like, you know, I'm, I, I too am a sinner in need of forgiveness. And then we think, although not as much as you. Or, I don't sin much anymore. And, you know, because I've been walking with Jesus for a long time and I've sorted out most of the things in my life and it's by the grace of God that I am so much better than you. If your heart goes there, if the fragility of life becomes dimmed for you, um, then you're not much of a host for the presence of God. They're related. Our understanding of our fragility and the power of the light inside of us, that's, that's what makes it clear that this is power is from God because personal humility from us, acknowledging God's there and we're here and he's wow and we're not, but he's inside us. So all of this power is not me, it's God. That's where the light shines bright. Uh, that's one image in hosting the presence of God. Light. The other is aroma, fragrance. Back two chapters to 2 Corinthians 2. But thank God, Paul says, he's made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. He calls this a Christ-like fragrance. A fragrance that is Christ-like. Or in your translations, it might say um, he, uses, he uses us to spread everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of God. Um, aroma, smell, fragrance. This image of, oh, there's, there's you know, I can't see that, but I can, I can sense it. Uh, smells, they're, they're unseen, but they're tangible. They stay with you too. In fact, memory is triggered more easily by smell than any other sense that we have. We remember smells and they have great influence on the way we feel. Do this little exercise with me. Close your eyes and, and um, remember with me 
you're relaxing after a hard day um, and your partner or, or loved one or someone is in the kitchen nearby and you inhale and you, you smell your favorite meal cooking. Mm. Or, or this one, um, just sliding into bed after a hard day and into clean, fresh sheets. Feel it? Or this, you walk into the room and it's the worst public toilet you've ever been in. <laughs> Sorry to do that to you. It's amazing how smells trigger memories, uh, isn't it? And how much better or worse something can be depending on the smell. Um, I, when I was, I've told this story before, so those of you who've been around for a few years, you will have heard this, but it suits here, so I'm going to put it here again. It's a true story. I was in, in my uni days, and I had a, I had a sore back, and I just wanted to get some anti-inflammatories from the doctor. So uh, you ever have those times with the doctor where you think, it's annoying that I have to go and pay someone when I know what I need? Um, which is a bit arrogant of us, really. But anyway, <clears throat> I was young and arrogant, so I, I go into this uh, doctor's surgery, and this smell assaults me. Oh! And I look around, and there's an old guy there, and I think, I don't know if there's a continence problem here. I'm young and judgmental right, in this space. And there's also, there's a one-year-old over there. And, you know, one-year-old nappies can get that kind of permeating, like, ugh, pungence. And that's what it was like. It was like, whoa, something has happened in this room. This is, this is not nice. And I'm looking around going, I wonder... And um, anyway, he calls me eventually into the uh, surgery. He's having in the, his room, and I'm, he's looking at my back, and we're talking about that, and I'm thinking, it is in here too. This must be in the ducted system or something in this place. And I had this thought, I am never coming back here. Anyway, I leave the surgery, look around, thinking, I wonder which one of you guys. I get back to the car. I, I hop into my little 76 Corolla that I used to own then, and I'm... And, uh, well, actually, uh, Dominic paid for it. That's another story. <clears throat> but um, uh, So I hop into my little car, and then I think, it sticks in here too. And at that point, I went, oh, I just checked the bottom of my shoe, and I had stepped in like something a great Dane had laid on the grass on the way into the doctor's surgery, and I had this thought. I'm never coming back here. <laughs> yeah. ah. Yep. So a little wordplay here for you from that uh, story. Whenever it stinks, just check your own soul. <laughs> yeah. Aromas are powerful. So what is the Christ-like fragrance? What does that smell like? It'd be good to know because Paul says here that God's using you and me to spread this everywhere. Verse 15, our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God, but this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we're a dreadful smell of death and doom, but to those who are being saved, we're a life-giving fragrance, a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? What does the knowledge of God smell like? It smells like life. It smells like God's life. Those who reject it can smell their death and doom in it, and those who want God 
For those who want God, it smells like life. And again, we see our inadequacy in that rhetorical question finishing off. Who's adequate? We're fragile clay jars. No one's adequate. And yet, we fragile clay jars, inadequate as we are, we host the presence of God. And when you walk around, people see God's light and they smell the knowledge of God. Not literally. It's not like you're walking down Smith Street in Warrigal and you just walk past random people and they go, what is that smell? Like, where did that come from? That just smells like life. This is a metaphor. It's the same with the light. It's not like light just breaks into, you know, the house of your heart and then, you know, out through the cracks and people go, whoa, that's blinding. That's just seeping everywhere. It's not literal. These are, these are metaphors. So what is, what is this light? What is this aroma? What is this um, sense that goes out from people who are hosting the presence of God? What is it? It is love. It is God's love. It is the way we treat people. It is the relationships that exist um, between Christians and from Christians to people around us. It is the way we treat ourselves. It's how we see ourselves. It's the peace and the and the joy and the hope and the contentment that we exude as we go about life. And it is the way we behave towards others and our attitude towards others. When we include somebody without judgment, that looks like God. And when something terrible is done and then the offended person just radically and totally forgives, you just go, ooh, I think I just smelt the knowledge of God. Or when two people from very different tribes of thought clash and they pause their own opinions and listen and try and understand the view of the other, when selfless listening comes first, you just go, oh, that, that could be God. That's the kind of love that God shows. Maybe I'm smelling some God. Remember last week we looked at Ephesians 3, Paul's prayer for us in a in Ephesians 3, and he says, I want your roots to go grow deep down into what? Love. And he says, and I want you to understand something about God. I want you to understand how wide um, and, and high and, and long and, and deep is what? Love. The love of God. And I want you to experience something, to know it, to know it in the, in the depths of your heart, in your deepest desires, in the, in the, right to the depths of your soul. I want you to experience what? Love. Love from God. The love of God. And like I said last week, not soppy love, not like just tolerate everything and let's just pretend everything's okay. This is the truth of, of God and his love for us. That he's selfless. And, and, it, and it smells. There's an aroma that goes out. And it shines. In our fragile clay jars, in our inadequate selves. And we can't give it if we haven't experienced it. We can only give what we're receiving it would be like trying to communicate smell without the fragrance. Uh, a few years ago, I went into the body shop, which is an assault on the olfactory senses, let me just say. Uh, you ever been, been in a perfume section and they go, try this one, this one, and after by the third one, you're like, they all smell the same. 
So a few years ago, I went into a body shop and I asked them, I got a, a, a scent, which was one of our favourite, I say our, Dominic's favourite scents. Um, and, I, and I said, can you describe this smell for me? And they, they loved it because I said, I'm doing this talk and because I was talking about the fragrance of the knowledge of God. Could you describe this uh, smell for me? And, um, and they put their heads together and they loved it. They all crowded around and other workers came in. Some of the customers joined in and they, they got this statement. You ready? Here is this fragrance. It is a warm, sweet, spicy, almost edible aroma that lingers and feels nostalgic and memorable, casting you back to when you were a four-year-old. An aroma that feels safe, secure, playful, carefree, easygoing, and relaxed. A beautiful description. Can you smell that? <laughs> what if I said, not just can you understand that, go and smell like that. Would it help if I told you that the perfume, it was a perfume oil and it was vanilla based, like a vanilla oak kind of you go, ah, oh, now I know what you're talking about. You know why? Because you smelled it before. Because you've experienced it. But even now, remembering that smell, remembering the experience of that smell, if I said, go and smell like that, you can't, can you? Unless you experience it again. Unless you're experiencing it, actually. Such is the love of God. The only way to smell like it is to be wearing it, knowing it, experiencing it. Paul prays in Ephesians 3 that we'd understand this love and that we'd experience it until we're completely transformed by the love of God. It's God's love for us and for others that transforms our old selfish desires, replacing them with his power and perfect selfless love and pouring pouring into our hearts in as much as we will surrender to his will and ways over our own in as much as we will let go of the agendas that we had and and let him inform us about um, his agendas for us what he wants for us in as much as we would release our desires for all the things that we would like in life and they can be little things like just i want to win this argument or they can be big things like i want to be richer than i am now if we surrender those desires and let the desires that God wants us to have, that come from him, fill our hearts, then we are transformed by his love. And he keeps, as Dominic was saying before, running after us with his goodness, pouring out his love until we are completed and satisfied in all the fullness of our God-given humanity. Every cell in my body was created to host the presence of God. And I want everything in me transformed in alignment with his love. Paul says in Galatians 2, my old self's been crucified with Christ. And listen to this, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer I who live. It's no longer the, the person filled with Danny's old selfish desires. It is not that person it is Christ in me. Now, this is not, oh, now I've got to give up myself. I'm, now I'm a husk, an empty shell. All my personality and my, and my you know, uniqueness is, is disappeared and I just, now Christ just takes over. I'm just a, I'm a host, like some sort of you know, zombie with, a, with a, um, a hive mind happening. 
so that, um, so that Julie would look like me, would look like Tim, would look like James, would look like John. We'd all just be the same. Just Christ, 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 without any unique individuality. And it's, that's not what Paul's saying. He said, there's the me that is me in my selfish desires. That's me. And then there is the Christ in me. And that is my full humanity. That is who I'm created to be. That is who I am, actually. I'm a child of God, and, and I host the presence of his presence. It's in me and through me. And this is our forever eternity. This is our great hope that we would be restored to fullness. And, 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 and that um, in, um, in uh, Colossians 1, Paul says, and this is the, I want you to know the entire message of the gospel, and this is the secret. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So when, when uh, picking random people from across our congregation here who love Jesus, so when Joe, when Joe... Um, surrenders to God. She doesn't become less Joe. She becomes more Joe. Christ in Joe. And the same with Becky or, or George or, or Mitch. No longer the old Mitch. No longer the selfish Mitch. But Christ in Mitch. This is what Paul says. No longer I, but Christ in me. In me. In broken, fallen me, from all my brokenness and selfishness and doubts and fears. This is what God is doing in me, in me, even in me, Christ in me. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance. I'll close with this. Because we host the presence of God, because we host the presence of God, how we treat people is more important than our opinion. The selfless love we show is more important than the tribe we belong to. There are many worthy causes in this world. And God's given us passions and interests. And his spirit moves us as children of God to invest in all sorts of worthy works and causes. Like international missions, local missions, political affiliations. Care for the environment. Care for refugees. Equity for the disadvantaged. Care for the poor and the marginalized. Petitions to governments to limit gambling and prevent euthanasia. Or the campaign against um, the Safe Schools Program. Or um, marriage rights. Or the movement for the prevention of violence against women. Or the Me Too movement. Or um, child sex slavery. Or Black Lives Matter. And many, many more. And I bet that as I read that list out, you went, oh, no. Yes, no. You know, like we all do. You felt... More for some of those than others. In fact, maybe you felt anti some of those. Um, I'd be surprised if anyone here or watching or listening doesn't have a strong opinion about one or more of those causes. I hope you do. God made this world and he cares more deeply than we ever could. And injustice should move us. It should. But let me say this. We host the presence of God. How we treat people is more important than our opinion. The selfless love we show is more important than the tribe we belong to. In the chaos surrounding um, the death of George Floyd, what have you seen or read that looks like God? What have you seen or read that smells like someone knows God? We, had, see, we saw those images of policemen kneeling 
or walking alongside peaceful protesters, and you go, maybe, that could be God. What about a social media feed where someone says, black lives matter, and then someone else replies, all lives matter. And then this person says, oh, can you please explain what you mean? I don't think I've got a full picture of, and I'd like to understand. And this person says, oh, thanks for asking. I just mean that everyone matters. Black, white, Asian, Latino, indigenous people, everyone. And this person says, oh, right, I totally agree. Everyone matters. That's why I posted Black Lives Matter, because it seems to me that they don't matter equally to everyone, and I think they should. This person, you know what? You're right, they should. Thanks for speaking up. And then this person says, thanks. You're right too, you know. Everyone does matter. Sorry if I gave you the wrong impression. And this person says, no worries. You sound like a nice person. Thanks for the chat. So do you. Keep on caring, smiley face. As if, right, on social media. I don't know if you've ever seen a conversation like that on your screen. I've never. If you have, awesome. That'd be awesome. But that's not happening very often, is it? Uh, mind you, some of our young people are saying beautiful things online encouraging others towards the knowledge of God in messenger groups. It's awesome. It smells like God. It smells like the knowledge of God. But some of the activity shown on our screens and social media feeds over the last few weeks doesn't look like God at all. And people claim often in these causes and environments and passions are high, they claim that God is on their side but it doesn't smell like God. It smells like someone stepped in something on the way in and everyone ought to check their souls. Mm. And so when you're feeling uh, argumentative about your cause or when you're feeling uh, heated or when you're feeling passionate or when you feel like your opinion needs to find its way into this space and when you find yourself stop listening, I'll just encourage you and myself, why don't we back up and just check our soul because we want to smell like God and we want to look like the knowledge of God too. Let's be people who rejoice that we host the presence of God because the person in front of you or beside you on the other end of your keyboard or your thumbs, they don't need your opinion, they need God. Let's pray. Father, we want selfless love from you to flow from us to others this week. Help us to surrender to your ways more often. And may your light and your fragrance through us draw others to the life you offer all of us. And even this week, God, may we smell like you. May we smell like we know you. May we look like we know you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.